Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist feminist podcast that's excited to be celebrating Season of the Witch. (laughs) (laughs) Today we have Zoe and Laura. Since it's finally Scorpio season, which is the real spooky season, for those of you who thought it was just the month of October, (laughs) (laughs) uh, it is officially upon us, and we're going to be talking about witches, what's the connection to socialist feminism, how can we make our witchcraft intersectional, and one of our frequently asked questions, why do we call ourselves a coven? Mm. But we don't just have the season of the witch coven with us today, we have an another guest witch and expert feminist joining us, joining us today. Welcome, Rachel. Yay. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank you. Here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, do you want to start by introducing yourself a little bit? Yeah. Um, it's always so hard, like where, where to start, what to include. But um, yeah, I, I'll sort of start in the middle. I got a PhD in uh critical media studies with a minor in feminist and sexuality studies back in 2013 um, and have been doing the sort of precarious academic labor thing ever since Mm -hmm. and am currently in um, a kind of unique teaching situation where I teach an experiential learning course for a nonprofit that does domestic and study abroad community-based like social justice courses, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's where I'm teaching now in uh, the Twin Cities in Minneapolis and St. Paul area. Mm. And um, what else? And I have a book coming out. So I'm also, I, I've also been writing on the side in sort of a non-academic context since I finished. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Midwesterner. I'm from Ohio originally. Um, and, uh, and I'm a witch and a cat mom which is also important. Hell yeah. What's your book called coming up, that's coming out for uh, those that don't know? It's called Rust Belt. It's called Rust Belt Femme. And it's a memoir with some sort of theory mixed in. Um, talks about class and the Midwest and how that shapes queer femme identity for me. <sighs> I love that. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I live in the Rust Belt. I live in Buffalo, New York. So I... Amazing. I just like any type of Rust Belt solidarity stuff. I'm just like... Yes. Yay. Yeah. I love I love Buffalo. It feels yeah, it feels like home, even though Cleveland is home. But yeah. For sure. For sure. Similar aesthetics. Yes, exactly. I actually also really like Cleveland for the same <laughs> reasons. Amazing. Um yeah. so I know that like we wanted to kind of start by maybe talking about how each of us got into witchcraft or witches or kind of all of that, um, just because that's sometimes a fun way to delve into the personal before we delve into some of the political or Ooh. theory things like that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> do you want Do you want me to start, or do one of you want to start? It totally doesn't matter. I mean, mine's going to be very underwhelming comparatively, so maybe we should. St- I, I can start, so we can we can end <laughs> on a high note. <laughs> um, for me, it's really interesting. So I grew up extremely Catholic, and so I didn't I didn't really think about anything outside of the Catholic Church until, you know, probably unfortunately way too way too late for me in terms of like you know many years of psych psychiatry and therapy to undo but um it it took me a long time to approach other what I would consider to be spiritual tendencies because that was so harmful to me um so I kind of I really only recently have started getting interested in witches and witch things like I have a I have a few close friends who are witches and um you know we do a lot with intention and herbs and um things like that when it comes to safety and protecting our homes and um, protecting our spaces and protecting each other um as well as kind of like sending out um you know intentions into into spaces outside of ourselves and I, for me, I also think that like a huge part of it is that I love 
which stories. Like I loved Buffy. I still love Buffy. I love everything like Buffy meaning Willow in that case. <laughs> but like, um, you know, I, I just think that there's something really powerful in um, the portrayal of women being powerful and then how that translates into me feeling like I can actually um, manifest these things and, and be powerful in these ways. So that's, that's mm-hmm. me. <laughs> that was not underwhelming. That was <laughs> oh, thank <laughs> Perfectly you so much. Perfectly whelming. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> Rachel, do you want to go next? Uh, sure. Um, yeah, I think I feel like I have a couple different roots and different periods of time. I mean, it was interesting writing this memoir because it was it made me realize like how much witchiness was sort of in my early life, um, especially around nature, which uh, which wasn't sort of how I reintegrated back into sort of more spiritual witchy stuff. But um, I was very like deeply connected to the land that I grew up on and like felt like did like magical stuff with trees and insects and like um definitely like would mix weird things together in my kitchen and like um that was sort of all part of like my very young childhood too yeah I did that too and I didn't even think about that right (laughs) my friend and I would like crush up flowers and like mix water and be like we made perfume right yeah (laughs) exactly so yeah I think that just like I mean I you know we might get into this later but I think like you know every every person like has something and then that you know everybody could be a witch I think in in certain ways and so I think that there's something about that sort of like childhood innocence that is like very deeply intuitive to like our power to just like make things and connect with things and so anyway so that was sort of like very young Um, my mom was also a horror fan so I grew up with like weird scary movies and like sort of quasi believing in all of that stuff which I can't watch I know that y'all I can't remember who was not on the scary movie boat but I am, I am actually not like, I'm horrified by them. Yeah, me um, either. but we but, pretty oh, much all are. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Cause I started listening to that last week's episode. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I like appreciated that many of you were like, no, <laughs> please <laughs> talk to us about this, but don't make us watch it. Yes. Um, so, but it was weird because like I grew, I, I grew up with it and then all of a sudden I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, so that was all sort of happening. And then I didn't really think about it. Oh, I also like loved the craft and mm. also Buffy, yes, um, yes. more so through my mom, actually, my mom was actually the Buffy fan, but I would, you know, watch with her anyway. Yeah. So then, um, then my sort of second route and, and again, I wasn't like identifying as that. Um, although I like read horoscopes growing up and did like Ouija boards and like, but it was all just sort of like for fun, quote unquote, even though I was like, I believe in this. Um, and then my second sort of route, I think is really like, I was, I was politicized in the punk community, Mm -hmm. um, in Cleveland and Chicago and like DIY culture, especially like a lot of the cool feminist punk women that I was surrounded by is very fucking witchy, whether they like explicitly called it that or not. And so like, I was definitely doing like herbal stuff, um, and just like DIY stuff in general, that's like magic. It's like, you know, like making, making your own stuff. And so anyway, so I think that was like my second route. And then the third wave definitely did sort of coincide, I think with this sort of emergence of like Instagram, witch culture, but I felt very grateful that I like was able to tap into the Instagram, witches that were, that were intersectional and anti-oppressive and thinking about, you know, class and race and all the things. Um, and that was really, um, because I was, after like a lot of um, difficult shit that you go through in your 20s and early 30s um, was like turning to like yoga and Buddhist texts, but mm-hmm. felt um, complicated, like had a complicated relationship to that as I'm a white person. Yes. Um, and so that felt complicated. And but I like really longed for that sort of spiritual healing that I found in that. Um, and I still do yoga, but I um, didn't I, I didn't I did. I personally didn't feel comfortable sort of calling myself a a Buddhist necessarily, even though I certainly value those teachings. Um, And so like, which spirituality felt like all of the pieces lined up. It was like, all of this is very familiar because there were so many parts of my life that I was doing exactly this. And it doesn't feel appropriative because like I actually have ancestral connections to a lot of these practices. Um, And also like, there's so much of it now because of the sort of reemergence of it in this, in this moment. Um, and so, yeah, 
that was really long, so I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, I feel like for me, I also have like kind of a couple different like bases for it. When I was, well, yeah, when I was younger, I did a lot of like weird like flower crafts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was in high school, like. I just started struggling a lot with depression. I like lost a friend in a car accident and I was like coming out and like dating a girl for the first time and like just felt really isolated and started getting a lot more into like goth culture and like doing some like witchy stuff and really liked kind of the like community of that, which was mostly like, you know, an internet community kind of thing. Um, And then a few years ago, I was having a lot of chronic illness problems and got really into like herbal medicine. Um, I was seeing an herbalist and like for me, I had a lot of relief through that. And so I started getting really into like being able to make my own like tinctures and teas that were medicinal and like felt kind of like empowered in like taking over my own like wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple years ago, read Sylvia Federici, who I'm sure we'll talk about more, but read that and was like, oh, this all clicks with like my politics and like this is all coming together for me. Um, and just like, yeah, feel really, totally. really strongly towards all of it. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm sorry. I just like, oh. I, I'm like, I'm thinking through, sorry. I'm like, this is what happens when we have like <laughs> interviews is we have these questions and then I'm like, but I want to talk about this thing that you just said. Um, oh, do it. Because I, it's interesting that you brought up the punk thing because I was in academia as well. I was a PhD student for a while and I um, did a lot on thinking about anti-capitalist movements. And I, I did my original research and part of the stuff that I was looking at was related to um, women resisting like in Europe and a lot of stuff that led to what became like massive witch hunts and things like this. Um, and then later I also studied – I studied the riot girl movement and Mm -hmm. specifically studied that from an anti-capitalist perspective. And it's interesting how, you know, I didn't think about those two things as necessarily being connected through witchcraft specifically, but um, just hearing you talk about that. Anyway, I was just like, I love that. (laughs) I love that there's like (laughs) ways that these, that women have been resisting um, the status quo in these ways for for a really, really long time. And there's different ways that it shows up. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome <laughs> that, you, that you studied those things. That's really cool. I, yeah, that's great. I teach, I teach like the riot girl movement, like any chance I can in classes. I'm like, let's talk about the riot girl. Yes. Well, I was just <laughs> yeah. like, so I was like, I didn't want to continue to fucking read a book written by an old white man. I was like, right. let's read these zines that happened <laughs> exactly. and like talk about that and think about it as just as academically valid as the other things. Exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about why socialist feminists are so into witchcraft and the connections between politics and witches. So what is your take on that? What do you think those connections are? Um, I think, well, first of all, I'm glad we're emphasizing that because I think there's also like a lot of ways that obviously it doesn't get taken up in that way. Um, so I'm glad that we're like, I mean, we can also talk about that, but it's, I think it is important to like talk about how they're linked and we already mentioned Sylvia Federici, but I mean, of course, if we take Federici's sort of analysis and Caliban and the witch, um, the witch hunts are sort of a direct result of, um, capitalism's attempt to uh create create women as subordinate subjects that Mm -hmm. can help like situate and um not threaten capitalism so anything that was sort of threatening um privatization and anything that was sort of considered linked to these sort of anti-feudalism you know revolts which included sort of um wild sexual women um needed to be sort of squashed. And so, 
if we think of, and so then, you know, the witch hunts became this way to like subordinate women and make them, uh, mothers and homemakers that of course created, um, which is of course unpaid labor. So we sort of all know that general feminist analysis. Um, so right there, like we see that the sort of origins of capitalism actually relied on the construction of the witch. Um, and so to identify as a witch is to sort of, and we can sort of get into how much of this actually matters and has weight in our actual sort of materialist struggles. But on, you know, on paper in theory, like identifying as a witch is sort of always already a sort of anti-capitalist stance because it was, it was what capitalism was trying to get rid of. So I think that's sort of like historically a root. Um, And then I think otherwise, I mean, I think, I think there's been a shift. um, And I would say I would broaden this to sort of left feminism, because I think think there's a lot of like, my my early politicization was like, largely by anarchists. And then I sort of became a Marxist as I as I worked my way forward. Um, (laughs) But um, and I think there's like a lot of like sort of anarchist sort of ideas that are obviously very conducive to all of this, too. Um, But so I'm sort of just going to talk broadly about left feminism. Um, And I think that I think that a beautiful thing that's happening in the contemporary left is a realization that we need to sort of expand our um, our way of organizing. And, and I mean, we we and I don't I don't mean to just say that, like, whatever millennials invented this, because there's been conversations about this in feminist circles in particular on the left, you know, forever. But um, thinking about sort of a, needing to infuse some sort of gentler and whether it's called spiritual or not, like approaches into traditional sort of militant sort of masculinist frameworks of organizing, I think is really being taken seriously. And I think if we think about like writers like Adrian Marie Brown, um, I, I think that there's more room and space for whether it's sort of like taking nature into account when we think about organizing or taking witchcraft into account when we think about organizing or taking like collective care, because obviously I think any good leftist feminist knows that self-care like is, you know, riddled with this individualism, um, but that we think about it more broadly and that we need to have space for sort of our bodies and spirits to like survive in order to, to struggle. Um, I think that that's just like more accepted. And so I think that that's, to me, I think that's one big thing that's happening. Yeah. What do you all think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all, all of the things that you said. <laughs> I think that there's something that is related to the feeling of being anti or being like kind of against what society is expecting of you. Um, whether that's like a typical... Um, what society expects of a typical, like, quote unquote, typical woman or whatever. I think that both socialist feminism or leftist feminism and which witches have like really pushed against that. Um, and so I do like that connection as well, just in addition to the more mm-hmm. uh, concrete things that you were saying. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think also in terms of like Sylvia Federici, um, something that really like hit for me is which is as like a representation of like the fear that collectified collectivized women bring to like the capitalist patriarchy. Um, and it feels like empowering to like reclaim that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, which segues segues well into something else I wanted to ask. Um, One of the things that I found really interesting in one of the witch episodes that y'all did um, on the former Feminist Killjoys PhD Mm -hmm. podcast, (laughs) which also it's like so... (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I love hearing your voice because I like listen to those episodes and I'm like, oh, she's here. Like, (laughs) I know this voice. Um, I feel, I mean, I feel the same about it. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's a fun thing. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. Um, but yeah, y'all talked about the respectability politics on the left surrounding like witches and astrology and that kind of stuff, um, which I think we see play out a lot. Um, one thing I think in terms of astrology, uh, Laura and I are definitely the astrology buffs um, of the podcast, but it, I think it gives a belief system as does witchcraft that like doesn't um, doesn't uphold like male supremacy and white supremacy and all of those things, yeah. which is also part of why white men are like, oh, that shit's fucking stupid. <laughs> yes. yes. And they all sound exactly <laughs> like that. Right. <laughs> but um, how do you see the that play in terms of respectability politics on the left? Yeah, I, I, um, I, lo- I love that, that <laughs> insight. Well, first of all, yeah, the voice I love. Um, but also... <laughs> Also, the very sort of concise, like, why, why it's probably, why, why it's, I mean, I think definitely, like, not obviously taken seriously, um, as seriously, certainly. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I think that's, you, you hit the nail on the head, like, it's not, it's not rooted in sort of patriarchal white supremacist um, foundations. Um, although, there are, I mean, there we could there's like there's whole histories of sort of astrology and tarot that have have problematic elements but course, yeah. clearly it's like largely I think we're definitely going to get into that too <laughs> yeah yeah um but it's like sort of been doulaed and 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 um sort of con- concretized in the world by largely women um and i think yeah in terms of the sort of respectability politics yeah, I think that's I think that what I was saying before about like the shift the shift to it being more accepted. I mean, I think in certain circles with, that are maybe largely male, just probably um, probability wise, you know, there's it still might be really um, dismissed. But I don't know. I do think that it's getting it's getting a little bit more accepted. Um, but why you know why it originally sort of wasn't. Um, and it still isn't in a lot of cases. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Marxists in particular are, are invested in a materialist analysis of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that this starts to get a little murky if you can have both a materialist analysis of the world and also, like, believe that some spell you cast can change conditions of things. And like when you start to believe in like energy and like literally metaphysics, um, it gets, it gets complicated. And like, I think I've, I've felt challenged in my identity as a Marxist that I believe and adhere in this stuff. Um, especially when you get into like, there are some good radical leftist witches who do work around money. And it's really complicated when they're talking about like, I mean, they don't always use this language because of how loaded it is. Like the good, the good leftist witches won't necessarily say this, but like basically like manifesting money. Mm. Um, and like, we know, we know how money happens under capitalism. Right. Um, and also there's like this other element where it's like, well, maybe, maybe there is something to my whatever abundance candle and thinking this thing, like, you know, so I think it gets really, really murky when, it it challenges that sort of materialist analysis, if that makes sense. Definitely. Um, I definitely have those same like incongruencies in my brain. <laughs> I'm just mm-hmm. like, it's really challenging. I think that um, I lean towards the Marxist analysis over the candle in that instance um because just because like we live in this hellhole society and so it's like hard to like even even like i it's like if you want to have the intentionality and light the candle that's fine um but maybe also work towards uh dismantling or seizing dismantling this entire systemic issue um I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the history of witches um, in terms of, I guess, framing it specifically in potentially why some modern day witchcraft might be problematic, which is kind of where we're going after this. But like, where did we come from in terms of witchcraft um, without 
asking too much of you to think about it in terms of maybe like the different cultures and global uh, groups of women that were doing that type of work throughout history um, in whatever, I guess, you feel like is the most important ways to to educate on that. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll keep this relatively short because I'm not like an expert in every single like tradition and the, you know, that's not, yeah, so that's, so I'll just, I'll keep it short, but I think the most important thing to say is that, um, I mean, you can find sort of witch practices in like literally almost anywhere, um, around the globe. And so it's not like only like Irish pagans Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's also not like only like hoodoo practicing um, folks in Africa. And it's also like, you know, it, it's it's not only these only one thing. There's that you can find practices like literally all across the globe. And and I think that that's an important thing for, pe- for people to remember in terms of people who want to, um, one, not be appropriative. And two, like if you believe in sort of connecting with, with ancestors in sort of like an ethical way, you can, you, you very likely like have some, some lineage somehow, somewhere that, that is from a culture that has practiced some kind of witchcraft. Um, so I think that's like the, the big important takeaway. Does that, I mean, does that feel like, I mean, it's not super detailed, but is that like sort of sufficient response? Yeah, of course. Um, Do you think that you could just expand a little bit more upon, in terms of modern day witchcraft, where do you see cultural appropriation happening and where do you, or like cultural appropriation and colonization of witchcraft, like how is it being used in problematic ways? Yeah. um, So there's a lot of it. (laughs) Uh, And I think a big one, like I think one of the 101 things that is like important to know is that uh, a lot of a lot of witches use um, smoke clearing? So you can like clear a tarot deck, you can clear a space, and um, sage has been uh, very widely, you know, used in in a lot of those ways. But sage is it's an indigenous practice, um, and it's also an endangered plant. A, a particular, I think it's a specific kind of white sage, and we can fact check this. Um, yeah. We can put that. That'll be a link we can include um, in terms of like which specifically not to buy, but basically just like, don't, don't buy sage from whole foods when that is not like ethically sourced. And is also like, unless, I mean, unless you're an indigenous person, which obviously do, you know, obviously use that, that plant that's part of your, your culture. But, um, I think especially for, for white folks, um, who just feel like they, we can, we can sort of take and use whatever we want, um, is definitely obviously a, a, a result of, being um, the ancestors of colonizers, that we just assume that we can just take take things and make them make them ours. And I think this is another. Um, I can give a couple more examples, but I'll I'll just sort of pause because this has been like an important distinction for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are moments that like if we get too deep into like lifestyle politics, like every individual choice is like um, so important. I think that that can sometimes take us away from thinking about organized collective struggle. Um, and so like, I don't, so this is when it's sort of like, I take my, as a Marxist, I'm like, actually like not the sage example, because there's literally indigenous people who are like, please don't buy this at Mm -hmm. Whole Foods. And so that actually, there's like a call from the community that that's being impacted. Um, but let's say like, I don't know, something, something else that I can't think of an example of, but that it's like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. Like as like a Marxist, I'm not always, or let's just say like shopping at Target. Like sure. you shouldn't do it. It's corporation. They're not union, et cetera. Um, there's part of me that's like, well, okay. And also me going to Target one day isn't like going to make or break, you know, yeah. collective struggle. But I think as a, my witch hat <laughs> that I put on um, when I'm in, in that mode, I do actually feel very invested in like, the energy that I'm like the energetic exchange that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm not going to buy a a candle to use in my magic spell from, 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 from target. Like I want to buy it from a person who I know, like the the labor, it was, you know, 
labor that they were being paid fairly for. Probably, I mean, most of the candles that I buy are like made and sold by a person that I like know. Um, And so I think that when we're thinking about magic, like, do you actually want to invite that energy in? And I would like to think about that with every single decision I make as I move through the day. But I just think that's usually not feasible. But certainly when I'm like thinking about like all my sort of witch tools, I don't, I like, of course I want to think extra about like the labor and the energy and, and the, and whether or not it's harming a community, even, even just sort of, um, abstractly. So yeah, so sage and then really quick, just some other examples like crystals. Um, it's very difficult to know the sort of ethical source of a lot of crystals and crystal mining, um, you know, can be just as problematic as any sort of like any other kind of mining that takes place. So like the labor of crystals, um, there's a wonderful witch named Dory Midnight who decided to return her crystals to the land and she, she like made essences of the crystals. So she like put them in a jar and made like sort of this invisible essence and then like buried and returned the crystals to the land and thanked them for, you know, for letting her work with them. And so thinking about, do, do you really need a ton of crystals from the random, you know, witch store in your town? Um, and then, uh, you know, any, you know, just like tar- thinking about the, tar- the imagery and tarot decks that you buy, who are you supporting with, you know, what artist is being supported in with the tarot deck that you buy? Um, so these are just general, like good labor questions, I think also. Um, but then, yeah, also in terms of, um, it's a wonderful thing to try to like, uh, research, research your culture and learn like traditions that, that people in your lineage have done. Um, and that that's always like, to me, like a good, a good thing to do again, energetically. And also like to try to be less harmful, like sort of harm reduction and in, in how we, um, and I'm, I'm speaking as a, obviously again, I'm speaking as a white person. So this is going to change in terms of power dynamics of identities and stuff, but, um, that's felt important to me. Definitely. Do you have any advice for folks who are maybe really interested in this stuff, but like have barriers in terms of, um, cost, like if not everyone has the uh, ability or funds to get a candle from, like a specific place do you do you feel like that's energetically more important than not doing it at all I guess like I'm curious about the I always worry about this think about this as a Marxist as well in terms of like there is no ethical consumption under capitalism you know like how do we grapple with uh low income people trying to do this work as well Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing to say is like that so many witches are low income and many of those witches make, make shit themselves. So there's a lot of that sort of DIY thing again. Um, there's this great, another link I can send for show notes is this great article about like granny witches of Appalachia. So like poor Appalachian folks, like doing magic with herbs that they grew themselves or that they find. So a lot of like, I mean, all of the like the witches that I feel like I've been sort of mentored by um, all say like, you don't need any, you literally need nothing. Like you are magic. You can make magic with just who, you know, with who you are. And then, you know, you have the moon, you have the trees, you have like, you don't need to buy a single thing. Um, and so I think that's like, yeah, the first point is like, you don't have to buy anything. And the second, like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is controversial, but like, if somebody really feels like candle magic would be helpful and all they can do is afford a dollar store candle that they don't know where it was sourced. Like, you know, I, I think it's, I think if, if, if you're setting your sort of intention with it in a way that maybe you can do sort of like a, uh, an honoring of the labor wherever it was, even though you don't know where it was and like, uh, you know, a sort of universal like call for there to be, less exploitative labor, you know, things like that. I don't know, like some sort of like intention and message, but, um, yeah, but I think even more importantly is that you don't actually need anything physically, like as a tool necessarily. Totally. Thank you. What do you, can I ask what you both think about 
that? Like, yeah. It's a great yeah, well, I was thinking because I feel like the kind of Instagram witchcraft thing is like, here's my very like picture perfect altar and like all of these things that I clearly like bought from wherever and like put together and blah, blah, blah. And like my altar, which I really love, but it's a lot of just like random shit that I have that I was like, this is special to me. And like, this totally. is special. I have like, honestly, this pin that Laura made me, that's Laura's face and says <gasps> number one fan. Oh and God. I was just like, I love this. It's really Aww. special. This represents like my true love for Laura. <laughs> um, and I have like, feel like this little like flower pot my sister got me. And, like, it's just a bunch of random shit that's special to me, totally. but it's not necessarily, like, this is, like, for witchcraft. But, like, right. for me, it has, like, the intention of, like, these represent, like, experiences that I loved or people that I loved and stuff like that. Um, right. So, yeah, I like the idea that it's, like, it doesn't matter if it was, like, if you acquired these, like, specific witch things. It's, like, right. you bring the magic to whatever you're, like, doing it with. Right. I also, oh yeah, I have like an action figure of Spider Gwen, um, because <laughs> like even though obviously the Marvel Corporation's like fucked, I just her character <laughs> yeah. is a feminist icon to me. <laughs> Love it. It's just like a bunch of stuff that like feels important to me, but isn't necessarily like for the purpose of witchcraft. Yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I similarly, I have an altar that Zoe actually helped create when she was last <laughs> visiting Buffalo, and it has, like, a figurine of a Zapatista woman that was made oh. by um, a Zapatista woman in uh, Mexico, and we named her Berta Caceres and, like, had a whole thing. I think that it's Amazing. it is really about that intentionality, and I do think that there is something about objects that you find to be important yeah um and so often those things are like handmade things anyway because those are the things that do feel special to us so I think that there right. is something nice about that that kind of gets us around that piece that we were talking about yeah totally yeah I do also have a cinnamon broom that I bought at Trader Joe's because I just really liked it okay so <laughs> I actually I I have that same broom on my door right now. So, yeah. So I don't always, yeah. So clearly we, yeah, we make choices. So I do, I do not know how that cinnamon broom or who made that cinnamon broom that I got from Trader Joe's. I do not know that either. So it happened. It happened. Well, my whole room just smells so good in cinnamon right now. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. But since all of us on this episode identify as queer, I thought we could talk about the connections between sexuality and witches um, historically and also just how all of us have kind of come to that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, you want me to, does somebody want to start? Yeah, well, again, for me, I'm just going to say <laughs> that it's Willow in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm obsessed with Willow people who have been listening to the podcast for a while my entire Twitter handle is at socialist Willow I just like she for me was such a huge influence and like her sexual sexuality journey was so important to me also <laughs> and the fact that like those things are linked to for me and also just like I think it, among like lesbian memes and things like that, or like anyone in the so-called women loving women community, whether it's, um, you know, all, all, uh, umbrella people in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there is a lot of witch iconography that comes up among that because there is something anti-patriarchal in not dating men, um, mm -hmm. and so I think, you know, you're, you're running against the like idea of the family. You're running against the idea of all these things that society is telling you to do. Of course, like queer people have families. Uh, it's not, that's not what I mean. I just mean like the right. specific idea of what, um, under, uh, hetero patriarchy we find ourselves in. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And even just like, just like the the sort of conflation of 
witches and hyper like hypersexuality mm-hmm. that's also something that queer people have historic were historically sort of um the end contempt you know and contemporarily if like in in certain christian right sort of spheres of course um that like this like sort of seeking of like sex for pleasure as this like horrible thing and like you know non-procreative sort of sex acts and so like queers and witches like have both sort of had that had that narrative sort of placed on them and for and you know and obviously like I personally am glad to own wanting to have sex for pleasure of course but um Mm -hmm. you know that's like yeah that sort of has been sort of projected um and uh, yeah and I think like just Matt like magic as this this realm of possibility that I mean, I'm, I'm sort of echoing what you're saying, that it's like we have the sort of confines of heteronormative patriarchy and like witchcraft is literally saying like you can do things that feel impossible. And I think when we live in a system that is as, a, as oppressive and repressive as it is, some, you know, and we know like certainly historically, but also again, in some places still, still this, it's the same thing that it can feel impossible to like mm-hmm. do something different and like magic can is this i think that there's some i don't know there's some link of like magic giving you this feeling of like power that you can do something even though everything else is telling you that that you can't um i don't know i think there's something to that too totally yeah definitely i think also in terms of Marx um, to recite a famous quote about religion being the opiate of the masses. <laughs> but like the reason why that is like people are searching for like meaning and order and like beliefs in what is like a pretty kind of insane like li- livelihood that we all have. Yeah. And it's like, you know, people seek like safety in religion, but that doesn't really exist for women in like, um, you know, kind of the Judeo-Christian religions um, or for queer people or Mm -hmm. for, again, most people that aren't, like, stray men. Um, And so I think, like, witchcraft is kind of this thing that gives other people, women and queer people and everyone else, like, this this belief system and this Mm -hmm. way to kind of have intentions and, like, seek order in the world um, that isn't oppressive or can not be oppressive whereas like christianity is never going to be free of oppression like christianity right. is oppressive. Right. right yeah absolutely well and i think anything that centers women and also like uh, i think there's so many like even in the pop culture canons that we have of like witch-based movies and stuff like that there's just a higher percentage of queer women in those things because there's more women. And so I think it, right. it like just creates, it just centers a narrative that we can identify with. <laughs> so it's like, it makes, it makes it an easier reach for us, I think, to feel comfortable in operating within, you know, these like witch norms and whatever, there are no witch norms really, mm. but I just mean like, <laughs> I just mean like there's, it's it's so much more accessible to us because it feels like it was like that it is for us. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, another thing I thought was really cool. A couple of years ago I went to see The Craft with my mom. It was like this old theater near my parents' house was playing it and my mom was like, "Yeah, growing up I just like kind of always identified with like witches in like books and like movies, but I didn't really know why I just like always identified like that and I don't know I just kind of thought that was cool that there's just this long line of women that have felt this like strong connection to that history totally yeah yeah and another thing I wanted to talk about is the connection of mental health and witchcraft and one example for me like I've always had a lot of anxiety at night and like insomnia um so I started like setting up my altar 
with like candles and I have like kind of string lights, which obviously isn't traditional, but I like it. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like at sundown, I kind of do this thing of like lighting my candles and turning on the lights and making it this like nice transition into nighttime. Whereas especially in the winter with like seasonal depression, I would be really dreading like the sun going down and like, oh, like it's just becomes like just the worst part of my day. Um, And so that's like really helped me be like intentionally going into nighttime and like, here's this thing that I do that I enjoy doing and it makes it like a lot. uh, It's just really helped with like my anxiety, seasonal depression. Yeah, Um, of course. Totally. Yeah, if either of y'all have similar experiences or like how you connect witchcraft with mental health. Yeah, I mean, I that's (laughs) I feel like (laughs) I feel like it's definitely what brought me back to it mm-hmm. and and what brought me back to it in sort of I don't want to say a disciplined way but in like a regular capacity um that sort of like third route that I sort of described that sort of era was a hundred percent because I was like falling apart and like needed needed something grounding um I got into t- tarot specifically uh I was I learned from Lindsay Mack who's a wonderful mm-hmm. uh trauma-based sort of trauma-informed tarot tarot reader um, and her sort of approach uh, and her story of her own uh, CPTSD, which is, which I also have, um, was just like really life-changing for me to be able to like sit down with cards and just like ground in the midst of like feeling like I had no ground Um, and like having like something to to just like be with and like gain meaning from and make, make sense of with, um, felt super, super important. And yeah. And I, and I know I just said, you don't need any of these tools and you don't, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm, you know, I, I have been, I do work with tarot cards. I do work with candles. Um, and just like, yeah, there's, there is this like beautiful, um, really healing capacity of, of ritual. And I think, I mean, that's, a, that's across all spiritualities and religions. I think ri- we see ritual mm-hmm. and, um, and we also see that, I mean, I know we're on mental health, but like to bring it back to like leftist stuff, like we see like, there's like ritual and like a lot of like leftist things too. We just don't necessarily like identify it as that. And like, um, and, or if there's like not that much of it in like your left particular experience with leftism, like, I think like it can benefit from it. Like, obviously I believe <laughs> it can benefit from it. Um, but I think, yeah, so to me, I think ritual is a big part of the mental health, like healing aspect of it. Absolutely. I've, I've, I totally agree. Even the, the one thing that I liked about Catholic Mass when I was growing up was the kneeling, sitting, standing, mm-hmm. like that ritual of moving your body in that way. It's almost like when I also, I was in... I don't practice yoga anymore, but I did for a while. It's a similar thing of like a moving meditation in some ways, even though I like wanted to bore holes through my ears um, (laughs) for what they were saying. Um, I felt like, you know, there is something really special about any sort of intentional movement or practice or uh, ritual. Um, And... I don't know. This has just been in on my brain right now. And so I don't know if this is too far uh, off topic. But I think the other thing that I think about, and this is like a, maybe whatever, a little bit strange, uh, is that when I think about psychedelics and I think about how my brain, especially as someone who also has a history of CPTSD, um, like how that helps me feel more connected or grounded in things and also makes me feel like everything is magic. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, like for me that having experiences um, with that has kind of, I guess, solidified the connection between like how I feel about being connected to everything else as well as like how that helps my brain relax and not have these triggered responses and things like that as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, in terms of like psychedelic feminism has a lot of the same explanations we've been talking about where it's not something that's really like for women, like women who do drugs and do psychedelics are like non-conforming to societal norms of like what is expected. Um, 
and yeah, and it offers like definitely this different thought process and different like way of existing in the world. Totally. Yeah. And it's a plant. I mean, and it's plants. Right. And so like it's, yeah. like, it's, na- it's like nature connection. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, we're getting towards the end of our time, but another thing that we really wanted to talk about is astrology. <laughs> it's our um, favorite. <laughs> not only is it witchy, but it's definitely one of our favorite things to talk about, especially for Laura and I. Um, so what are the parts of your chart that you connect with and how do you relate astrology to your other, which she practices? Ah, yay. This question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, so I, that, that has been like the consistent, like reading my horoscope, like never, I never dropped that. Like I started when I was like, I don't know, eight years old in the newspaper Mm -hmm. right by the comics. And then like, never stopped. That was like a consistent thread of like my sort of belief system and always super strongly identified as an Aquarius, um, which is my son. Mm-hmm. Um, and large, you know, they're you know, sort of the humanitarians and like sort sure. of like structure, like thinking about the sort of bigger picture, like structural things. And I was kind my mom was like a bleeding heart. Um, I mean, she's a leftist now, but she was like a bleeding heart liberal when we were growing up before, before I got to her as after I learned things. Wow. Same, same with my mom. <laughs> oh, <that's> great. <laughs> totally not my experience. And I'm so happy for you both. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, so, so I had that sort of, I mean, that was sort of what I, what I grew up with. So I was early, very like invested in like sort of help helping people, even though we were like also poor and like mm-hmm. needed help and were like part of but, you know, that was just big hearted, whatever. So I was like, oh, I'm definitely an Aquarius. That makes sense. But I didn't know anything else about my chart until much, much, much later. Um, and I was like, I would started to get confused because Aquarians are sort of like if you see any memes, like we're supposed to be like robotic aliens who like, yeah. you know, like aren't actually able to feel very easily. But I've always been like a big feeler and very very emo. Um, Are you a and Cancer I thought, oh, Moon or a Scorpio Moon? <laughs> I knew a lot of time was coming. I'm, I'm Pisces. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so I'm a Pisces Moon, and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And yes. also, like, because like, and I'm a writer, and like, mm. um, academic writing always. I mean, I I like forced some sort of like more poetic stuff into academic writing, but it was never like the space for me. Like, I've always been like, I've all like give me live journal over yes. an external, <laughs> like, let me just like be really emo with my words. And I feel like Pisces, like that's like how they're like, they're the poets, like whatever. Um, and then my, but with all of that, like I still like get shit done and I'm a Capricorn rising. So yeah. So like it, it, when I like learned those three, I was like, Oh, like this is totally bananas. How like real this is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and yeah, and then I found out like my other stuff, like, um, yeah, I mean it, it, my whole chart makes a lot of sense to be honest. Like I have a lot of Pisces in a lot of places, like including Mercury and like that makes sense, um, in terms of sort of like communication things. Um, and yeah, so that's been, so that's been cool and very revealing. And like, I feel like it helps me like everybody who I know, at least those sort of three signs, mm-hmm. like I have like such a clear sense of them or it helps, it helps you like, it helps give you a framework for the people in your life, which is cool. Um, and then what was the second part of that question? So like mm-hmm. the chart and then like how it relate, was there a second? Yeah. Part like how you connect that to the rest of the, which, which things? Oh yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, you know, it is, it's a, it's a witchy thing. It's about the planets and like, um, that's, I might, I mean, I'm very, so like, I'm, I pay attention to the planets. I pay attention to what's happening to the planets. Mm-hmm. Um, in my week, my, one of my favorite astrology podcasts is ghost of a podcast by mm-hmm. Jessica Lignato. Highly recommend that one. And she's, um, got pretty good, pretty good politics. And so, you know, I think about what's happening in the, in, in the planets every week. Um, and I do work with the moon. So that's also, you know, planetary, um, yeah, I think those are the those are the big ones. Yeah, that's yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So what are you both? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm an Aries Sun and a Scorpio Moon, Scorpio Rising. 
Woo! I know. Yep. All right. <laughs> I, know. I am a Sag, and like the majority of my chart is Sag, but my moon is Libra and my rising is Taurus. Okay. Okay. Mm, that's. And- yeah, yeah, I just yeah. feel like the more the more I learn about astrology, the more I'm like, it is real. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, similarly, it's interesting because everything about Aries are like hot headed, all of these things. But I have so much water in my chart. My Venus is in Pisces. My Jupiter is in Cancer. My mm-hmm. rising and moon are in Scorpio. So it's just like right. <laughs> so much is um, like deep feeling. And so I feel like. <laughs> When I meet other Aries who have like a lot other fire in their chart, like they look at me and they're like, what are you talking about? But then there'll be like moments where they're like flickers of the Aries coming, coming in for sure. Right. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Well, yes, this was so fun. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we end? We know you have a book coming out soon. Um, It's Femme in the Rust Belt. Rust Belt Femme. Rust Belt Femme. I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. I was like, I mean, yeah, that that works too. But yeah, send in the Rust Belt. Rust Belt Femme. Don't yeah. listen to me, everyone. Listen to our brilliant guest, um, Rust Belt Femme, and that will be coming out when uh, March 10th of 2020. So Yay. we're almost almost there. Yeah, just a few months. Um, yeah, I'd also love to plug. Uh, I have a, I do a lot of prison work and I have a pen, an incarcerated pen pal. Um, and he and I collaborated to make a zine of his interpretation of the major arcana cards in the, in the tarot deck. So there's, yeah. So it's called the prison arcana and it's, um, there are some hard copy versions that haven't been a ton of hard copy versions sold and I have to like re make them. So those are, potentially possibility people can reach out to me if they really want a hard copy but there's also a digital like easy version mm. that you can get um at websites that i'll link to one is called abo comics and one is uh the future which is a witch store in minneapolis um so you can get those online and i would love to link to that because all the money goes directly to um, my pen pal um who goes by the name but goes by the name crazy boy and then the artist who did the pictures is also an incarcerated um trans woman in texas so all the money goes to them and so, yeah, I would love folks to check that out if you're interested in witchy things and prison abolition. Um, fuck yes. So cool. I'm like sitting here like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty great. I'm, and yeah, and it's really good to support folks inside because they are, they, yeah, yes. <sighs> of course. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so, so much, Rachel. This was like an actual delight. I am so grateful to have had this conversation with you. Um, And like, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you. Thank you both so much. I'm a big fan of the show and really, really, truly honored to, to be a guest on it. And yeah, I feel like I could talk to you both about this for like several more hours. (laughs) So like any, any time. So thank you. Yay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, okay, well, that was amazing. I like definitely want those freaking prison arcana cards. I'm like, oh my god, me too. I'm really excited. Hope you all are having a good Halloween week. Um, if you didn't like this, maybe you just didn't get in the spirit enough of Halloween. Too bad for you. Um, As always, you can like us on Instagram and Twitter at Season of the Bee. We're also on Facebook. Um, We would love your Patreon dollars. We're hopefully going to be cranking out a bunch more content that's only Patreon exclusive. We have some stuff up there now, but that's going to only continue to increase over time. And some Patreon merch. Yes, we have Patreon merch. We have new merch coming Coming out. Yeah. Um, And then... You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We always love, love reading your like sweet words. It's like anytime I'm having a bad day, I just go and look at it. So just know that. So nice. (laughs) So nice. Um, And yeah, you can also email us if you have like thoughts or things like that that you have going on or pitches for episodes at seasonofthebee at gmail.com. And yeah, just feeling really grateful for you all supporting us. Oh.
<laughs> feeling mostly yeah. grateful for Zoe for putting this episode together though <laughs> this was so fun I just feel like it's a testament to like the connection that you just kind of automatically have with other like cool witches you know yeah exactly Ugh. still still really excited about how cool Rachel is <laughs> me too yay well I love you Zoe I love you so much. I love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Season of the Bitch.